You're listening to another premier old-time radio program, another Humphrey Camardella production. Hi, this is Kim Bragg, and up next is my good buddy, Walden Hughes. Here is Hop Harrigan from February 19, 1942. Presenting Hop Harrigan, America's ace of the airways. CX-4 calling control tower. CX-4 calling control tower. Standing by. Control tower back to CX-4. Wind southeast, ceiling 1200. All clear. Okay, this is Hop Harrigan coming in. For the last few days, we've been discussing the possibility of inviting an aviation expert to come up here and tell you all about German, Jap, and Italian fighting planes in order that you can learn to know the enemy and what to expect from them. But until we hear from you telling us whether or not you like the idea, there's no sense making arrangements. However, Hop feels it might be a good idea to give you a sample of what we mean, so here goes. See if you like it. Probably one of the most dangerous planes in the entire German Luftwaffe is the new Focke-Wulf 190, a single-seat fighter monoplane fitted with a 15-horsepower, 14-cylinder radial air-cooled engine. Most German fighter planes are equipped with liquid-cooled engines. The 190 has a large, blunt nose from which the fuselage tapers down to the tail. The pilot's cockpit is over the center of the wing and has a semicircular, transparent cover. Both landing gear and tailwheel are retractable. Although no accurate figures are available, it is believed the 190 has a maximum speed of 370 miles per hour at 20,000 feet and a ceiling of 40,000 feet. This performance rating betters that made by the Focke Wolf 187, a twin-engine, two-seater fighter called the Destroyer. This ship has a maximum speed of 360 and a ceiling of 38,000 feet. The armament of the new Focke Wolf 190, although a closely guarded secret, is said to be eight machine guns. This is a dangerous plane, but since the main factory of the Focke Wolf company is located in Bremen, and since both the RAF Lancasters and the USA Flying Fortresses have been blasting Bremen pretty heavily, here's hoping not many Focke Wolf 190s have been built. Well, that should give you an idea of what we mean by knowing your enemy if you'd like to hear more, drop Hop Harrigan a card or a letter in care of this station. And don't forget to listen at the end of the program for the special announcement of Hop Harrigan's Big Aviation Quiz Contest. And always remember, America's future is in the air, and America needs flyers. And now to our story. When an unidentified plane was spotted flying over the Pacific coast, heading inland... Neither Hop Harrigan nor his mechanic pal, Tank Tinker, assigned to track it down, imagined what they were letting themselves in for. 
Yesterday, as you remember, Hop and Tank met the very live ghosts inhabiting the deserted mining town of Silver City, a pair of Japanese flyers planning a suicide mission. They also found the unidentified plane, a new type long-range Mitsubishi. Both the plane and the Jap airmen were hiding out in an abandoned mine shaft, awaiting the zero hour, midnight, at which time they intended loading their plane with dynamite and crash-diving it into the huge Great Western Dam, thereby destroying a valuable source of electric power, power needed for war production. But now the plans have been changed. The Japs have decided to use the light bomber Hop and Tank were flying and to destroy their own plane by burning it. In a room near the entrance to the mine shaft, Captain Yamagato, leader of the suicide mission, explains the reason for the change in plans as Kato, his co-pilot, holds Hop and Tank at gunpoint. Listen. It will be far better if we perform our mission in an American plane. To begin with, we will not be disturbed or challenged. Then, to destroying the Mitsubishi completely will eliminate any possibility of some parts of it surviving the dynamite explosion and being examined by your Air Corps authorities. You understand? Hop, you going to let him get away with this? I do not quite see how you are in any position to stop me. What about it, Hop? I'm afraid he's right, Tank. There's no way we can stop him. You mean to say you're going to stand by and let him use an American plane to blow up the Great Western Dam? Again, I repeat. How can you stop me? I'll show you how I can stop you, you weasel-faced goon. Kato! Shoot him in the back! No, wait! Please, watch him, Kato! Shoot if he makes one fast move. Tank, you out of your mind? Maybe I am, I don't know. I would strongly advise you to control yourself. Nobody asked for your advice. Tank, get a hold of yourself. They got us covered. There's nothing we can do. I could do plenty if it wasn't for that rat with a rifle. What you do not seem to realize, my friend, is that we are under no obligation to keep you alive. We are doing so only to heap insult upon injury. Once our mission has been accomplished... We wish you to tell the American authorities in detail exactly how it was done. Yes? What is it? Yoga Poitou, Marka Sube. Takigata. I have just been informed, gentlemen, that some planes have been sighted circling overhead. It will be necessary for us to review for a few moments. Make yourselves as comfortable as possible. Come, Keto. Lock the door. Hop, we gotta get out of here. We gotta. Take it easy, Tank. I told you not to lose your temper. You almost got a bullet in the back. I couldn't help it. Them sneaking, hissing japs make my blood boil. How are we gonna bust loose, Hop? We can't let them blow up that dam. Try the door. It's locked. What's that thing standing in the corner with a claw thrown over it? I don't know. Take a look. Well, I'll be a monkey's uncle. It's a canary. Well, that's the bird we heard chirping in here, remember? Yeah. Hello, birdie. He's a friendly little cuss, ain't he? Oh, what would them slinky japs be doing with a canary? Now, don't tell me they're bird lovers, not them. Hardly, Tank. That canary is life insurance. Life insurance? How come? Well, you see, this is part of a mine shaft. And years ago, before modern air conditioning equipment was installed in mines, they always used canaries to detect foul-poisoned air. And whoever prepared this hideout for our two Jap friends evidently knew that. I don't get it, Hop. Well, before going down into the shaft of a mine, one miner led the way, carrying a canary in a cage. 
See, birds are very sensitive to poison gases, and the minute the canary drooped, they'd clear the shaft out. Oh, I see. So that's why they've got the bird here, in case some gas seeped up from the mine. Yeah, that's the idea. This isn't likely, but these Japs evidently think of everything. But that's not getting us out of here. Yeah, it don't much look like we're going to get out either. There ain't no windows and the door's locked. It's no use thumping them walls hot. They're solid rock. Oh, I'm not so sure about that. Got your screwdriver? Hey, did you ever find me without it? Here. Thanks. See? You can't make a dent in them. Just hold your horses. Listen. It all sounds that way. Oh, no. Listen to this part. It's hollow. Hey, maybe you're right. You bet I'm right. This part is hollow. It's only plaster and it's still a little damp. All of which means it was closed up recently. Now then, let's see what this screwdriver will do on it. Jumping Jenny's hop, you're really getting somewhere. Hey, I got a pair of pliers. That ought to help. Come on, work fast. Hank, wait a minute. Hold it. What's up? Our friends are coming back. Quick, pile everything in front of the door. The cot, the chair, the table, everything. Hurry up. Here. Yeah. Brace the back of this chair under the doorknob. That's right. Now the cot. Stand it up on the side. This way. That's it. Here it comes. Just don't answer him. Get the table over there, quick. Where do I put it? On top of the cot. Stand back from the door, Tank. The bullets don't even come through. It's solid oak. All right, you watch the door. I'll hack away at the plaster. Go ahead. We can only keep him out for a few minutes. We might have a chance. This stuff is soft. Trying to push the door down. I'll brace your shoulder again. Okay. Is it holding tank? Yeah. Are oh, you coming? Oh, all right. What I need is a sledgehammer. Oh, why didn't you say so? I got one in my back pocket. Oh, don't be so funny. Hop, make it fast. She's gonna give soup. Hold on, tank. Just a little longer. Hey, what happened, huh? The plaster cracked wide open. Now he can get through. Come on, tank. Holy cow! You sure did a job. Where's it lead? One of the tunnel shafts, I guess. Come on, let's go. How are we going to see it? It's darkened. Well, we can feel our way. Follow me. No, no, wait. Get the canary. Canary? What for? We might need him. Hurry up. Okay. Come on, Bertie. We're taking you for a ride. All set, Hop. Lead the way. I sure hope this tunnel leads someplace. It must, if it's part of the old mine. They'll break through that door any second, but Tank, now watch that canary. If it shows sign of wilting, let me know. He ain't wilting. He's squirming around like mad. They busted the door in, Hop. They're shooting. Down, Tank, down. Flat on your stomach. They're shooting high. They can't see us. Tank, don't move. Tank, keep that canary quiet. What do I do? How can I shut him up? Put your hand over his bill. Okay. Tank, for heaven's sake, keep quiet. I wish I could understand that Jap double talk. Boy, I'll bet old Tojo was calling us plenty. Where's the canary? He's in my pocket. He don't like it, but that's where he's going to stay. Some nerve biting me. I remember that when we get back to Hanley Field. Tank Tinker suffers battle wound, bitten by canary. That ain't funny. I remember once when... I hear something. Are they following us? No. No, I don't think so. There he goes again. I bet you he's up to something, Hop. Listen. 
smoke? What's that sputtering? Hey, sounds like a snake. You think there are snakes in here? Of course not. Keep quiet, will you? What is it, Hop? Wait a minute. I smell something burning. Yeah, me too. Great. Scott, it's a fuse tank. They're dynamiting the tunnel. Hop, are you all right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. How about you? I'm okay. Phew, that was some blast. Thought the whole tunnel was coming down. Oh, boy. Tank, I'm afraid we're in a tough spot. What do you mean? Unless this tunnel has another exit, we're trapped. We better find out in a hurry. There isn't much air down here. Quick, get that canary out of your pocket and hold him in your hand. You sound worried, Hop. Yeah, well, there's plenty to worry about. Tank, we've never been in a spot like this. If this tunnel doesn't lead anywhere, we're sunk. Well, Hop does sound worried. And with good reason, too. If the narrow, dark mine tunnel leads to a dead end, it means trouble. Serious trouble. What will happen? Don't miss tomorrow's thrill-packed episode. Same time, same station. Tune in and fly with Hop Harrigan. America's ace of the airways. Have you heard about Hop Harrigan's big aviation quiz contest beginning on this program next Monday, February 22nd? Well, if you haven't, lend an ear because it's good news for every fellow and girl from 8 to 80. You see, Hop is anxious to find out how much you listeners know about aviation and planes. And the best way of finding out, according to Hop, is to run an aviation quiz contest and award prizes every day. Yep, every day beginning Monday, February 22nd and continuing for two weeks or more... Hop is going to award ten prizes of scale and flying models of planes, some of them worth up to $5. The quiz questions will be fairly simple, and I'm sure all or most of you know the answers. At any rate, start sharpening your aviation wits and tell your friends to sharpen theirs. Next Monday is the big day, so be on hand for quiz question number one in Hop Harrigan's Aviation Quiz Contest. And in the meantime, always remember that America's future is in the air. And America needs flyers. CX-4 to control tower. CX-4 to control tower. Standing by. Control tower to CX-4. All clear. Okay. This is Hop Harrigan taking off. See you tomorrow. Same time, same station. Tune in tomorrow and every day, Monday through Friday. Hop Harrigan is a copyrighted feature appearing in All American Comics magazine. Hop Harrigan has come to you from New York. This is the Blue Network. All right, Walden, step up to the microphone and do your thing. Here's part of a user interview with Margaret Truman. Hey, tell us what it was like security-wise uh, when your father was in the White House. 
Oh, well, if we went out for a walk, sometimes he could talk me into taking a walk on Sunday afternoon when I was home from New York, and and we'd have maybe two Secret Service men back of us somewhere. Mm-hmm. That would be all. Right. And people would speak to him on the street, and he would reply. And it was, uh, I heard one, one funny thing. We were walking along Pennsylvania Avenue, and I heard these two women saying, Yes, it is. No, it isn't. It can't be. No, it's not. So I just turned around and I said, yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, your dad uh, stepped in for you one time when the critics got on to you about your singing. And you can probably tell that story uh, better <laughs> than I can. Tell me about uh, the time that he straightened those folks out. No, no, there was just one man. Mm-hmm. One critic. One critic. Yes, and he told him he didn't like what he'd written and words of one syllable. Uh-huh. And... Uh, so my reaction to that was, well, Dad was a little short of something to say that day. <laughs> <laughs> he was a man of few words, wasn't he? Well, sometimes. <laughs> but I want to pass the microphone over to Walden Hughes now and to find out something about your radio career. Walden, tell me the first time you recall being on the radio. Being on the radio? Yeah, actually, maybe, you know... Doing the scene in Detroit, or uh, maybe probably even before that. Oh no, 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 no! I was, I, I wasn't thinking about music. I was going to think about talking. Yeah, that's what I'm I was trying. on uh, NBC with Mike Wallace, as a matter of fact. He and I had a daily show called Weekday, and we went coast to coast on NBC. We interviewed people. Uh, sometimes they were in the studio. Sometimes it was by phone, like we're doing. Right. And uh, that's my first. And. And Pat Weaver produced it. Yeah. Now, Mike Wallace was uh, a very well-known announcer in those days, much more known for announcing than a newscaster. In fact, he was the announcer on uh, uh, for uh, on Sky King for uh, Skippy Peanut Butter. And really? uh, yeah, we've got a, we've got a bunch of for years. <laughs> uh, we we knew we we got a bunch of commercials, and uh, boy, he did a great job on those peanut butter commercials, uh, just as good as he does on. On 60 Minutes now. I bet he was a real treat and a joy to work with, wasn't he? Mike was very good to work with. Yeah. The only thing is he would do, and he, he, he and I have laughed about it many times, if anything went wrong with any of the tapes that we used, he would get furious and head for the tape man. Who was, and I, I grabbed him one day and found myself holding nothing but a jacket. <laughs> he was already gone, ready to slug him. And I said, wait a minute. <laughs> but he didn't, so... Uh, Walden, let's talk a little bit more about uh, Margaret's radio days. Now, talk about the big show. When Kalua Bank hit. Oh, that was fun. Tell me about What's your memory I'm, about it? Uh, what I liked most of all was Fred Allen. Yes. Working with him. I learned a lot of that comic timing from him. And I also worked with a lot of well-known actors. I, I would be, we'd do it, of course, it was all radio, as you know. And um, I worked with a lot of famous actors. We'd, we'd do a skit. A serious one. And uh, Tallulah didn't do it because she was running the whole show. Right. But they were, they'd tell me, you're going to do this with him. And we had two days rehearsal before the show on Sunday. It was live. Right. And Meredith Wilson was the musical director. Oh, yes, he was. Yeah. He did pretty well after that, too. Oh. Now, I know you also did a, a screen director's playhouse with Jimmy Stewart. Do you recall anything about that? It was a, it was a, it was a comedy skit. 
called Jackpot. It was what? A, a comedy uh, play called Jackpot. That's right. And I didn't remember the name of it, did you told me? Yeah, I know. You recall anything about working with Well, he was delightful to work with. Yeah. Couldn't have been nicer. And I enjoyed it very much. I had a good time on radio. I also had a good time on live television. I wish they could do more of it today instead of everything being on tape. But uh, they don't seem to want to do that. All right, well, then step up to the microphone and do your thing. Here's Cavalcade of America. DuPont Cavalcade of America, starring Brian Donlevy. Tonight, the DuPont Company brings you Big Boy, starring Brian Donlevy on the Cavalcade of America. First, here is Gain Whitman. Good evening. Step into fall with a bright, cheery, new-looking home. Paint your walls with Speed Easy, the easy-to-use resin oil emulsion paint. You'll be amazed at how little it costs to paint an average-sized room. Just thin Speed Easy with water and apply over wallpaper or any interior wall surface. It comes in white and 11 attractive colors. Remember, it's speedy, it's easy. It's Speed Easy, one of the DuPont Company's better things for better living through chemistry. Now, Big Boy, starring Brian Donlevy as Babe Ruth on the Cavalcade of America. Taken? No, it's not, son. Thanks. Got here early, eh? Yes, sir. I wanted to get here before he did. <laughs> Me too. Where's he gonna sit? That box down there, below us. Yeah? Gee, you know, I did never see him play. No, I guess you didn't. How old are you, son? Thirteen. <laughs> That'd make you about one year old when he put away his bat for good. You see him play? Sure did. Mr. Baseball himself. Gee, Babe Ruth. You know a lot about him, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I guess I do. Many's the day I sat in these stands and watched the Bambino bust fences. Yeah. Gee, he was lucky. Played baseball all the time. Me? I gotta go to school. <laughs> well, now, it was the school that started the babe in baseball. You're kidding. Oh, no, I'm not. i go on. No, no, really, son, really. I, I do know a lot about him. Hey, look, we got maybe half an hour before game time. How would you like me to tell you about the babe? Well... Okay, go ahead. All right, son. Uh, well, my story about the babe starts when he was younger than you. I guess he was about, uh, well, seven. Nobody called him Babe then. His name was George. George Herman Ruth. Was in Baltimore. Just about the turn of the century. Sure, he ain't looking. 
So we walk up and take a couple apples. Gee, George, what if he sees us? What if he does? We run fast. Smatter, got cold feet? No, I ain't. Then come on. Now, easy now. Pretend like we're going past, and then make a grab. And this time, pick the ripe ones. Yeah, all right. Now, stop one. Me too. Hey, what's the matter, you kids? Hey, police! They're stealing my apples, the police! He's coming after us, George. You go one way and I'll cut through the alley. Go on, run! Uh, hey, look out. Uh, just a minute, young man. <laughs> you almost knocked me over. Listen, I'm in a hurry. You must be, and with a handful of apples. Listen, I gotta go. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You, you caught the him, Father, huh? He's a bad boy. Hello, Giuseppe. What's the trouble? Oh, this is a kid. This is a George Root. Oh, this is George, huh? Let me go. Take your old apples. Every day he's a steal of my apples. Let me go. Oh, just a minute here, just a minute. I'll pay for the apples. All right, Giuseppe? Uh, well, uh... All right, Father. You, you pay me when you want. Out of a ditch. So you're George Ruth. <laughs> uh, you know, I was looking for you, George. Someone told me you might be where the uh, pickings were, good. What you want me for? Uh, I want to talk to you, George. I don't want it. Oh, now that was a perfectly good apple. You didn't have to throw it, did you? I don't think so. Who are you? Well, I'm Brother Mathias from St. Mary's Industrial School. Cool. That was a pretty fair toss for that apple, George. You're southpaw, huh? What about it? Well, the school could use a lefty on the baseball team. Baseball? Well, sure, we got several teams. But I don't think we got a single southpaw. You got baseball teams there? You bet. As a matter of fact, one of the school teams is playing this afternoon. Now, if we were to walk this way, we'd pass right by the lot. It should be about the second inning. <laughs> So, George Herman Ruth went to St. Mary's Industrial School. And played baseball? Well, not all the time. He learned the tailoring trade, too. But baseball was what he liked best. He turned out to be a pretty good pitcher, too. He coached teams at St. Mary's for many years, and the kids loved him. They loved a big, broad-shouldered guy who taught them the game, gave them pointers, worked with them all he could. And then, one day when he was older, uh, Brother Matthias spoke to him. Come in and sit down, George. Thanks, Brother Matthias. But, George, you're a young man now. Yeah, I guess I am. Never thought about it, though. We have. And about your future. Future? Mm-hmm. Do you think you'd like the uh, tailoring trade? Well, oh, um, I see. You don't, huh? Not so much. <laughs> you'd rather play baseball, huh? I guess I would, Brother Matthias. Well, George, remember one thing. The game itself isn't everything. Oh, it's a great game. And we stress it here because it teaches fair play, sportsmanship. Yes, sir, I know. And you've got to have those things for the real game. The game of life. You remember that? I will, Brother Matthias. I know. We've watched you, George. And we've got a hunch that someday a lot of folks will feel the same as we do. That you'll be an inspiration to others as you are to the kids here. I hope so. Now, uh, Brother Gilbert at Mount St. Joseph has arranged for someone to come here to see you tomorrow. Who is it? Well, you'll see you tomorrow. But I'll tell you this now. It's got a lot to do with your future. <laughs> Mr. Dunn, you, you see the big fellow, the southpaw? Hmm. You think he's good, Brother Mathias? Yes, I do. But then you know more about it than I do, Mr. Dunn. Oh, well, maybe. All right, get him over here, will you? Yes. Uh, George? Oh, uh, George? Come here a minute, will you please? Played every position on the team, huh? Yes, and well. But uh, we think he's better as a pitcher. We'll see. 
Hello, Brother Messiah. Say, that new kid Johnny's shaping up pretty good. I think he'd make a good infielder. Uh, George, I want you to meet Mr. Dunn. Oh, how are you, Mr. Dunn? Fine, George. How are you? Well, well, I've, uh, I've got some work inside. Uh, I'll leave you with Mr. Dunn. Sure, I'll see you later. Uh, Brother Gilbert of Mount St. Joseph tells me you like baseball. Yeah, I love it. Well, let's see. Give me a catcher's mitt. Uh, you gonna play? Mm-hmm. Now, uh, get out to the pitcher's box. What do you want me to do? Toss me the fastest ball you've got. Fastest? You're gonna catch it? You toss it. I'll do my best with it. All right. Here it comes. Well, that's your best? Wouldn't have dented a cream puff. All right. Try this one. Yeah. Yeah, that's more like it. Now let's see your curve. All right. Here's the best I can do. Okay, George. Come on in. How was the curve? Could be improved, I guess. <laughs> I'm sorry you didn't like it, Mr. Dunn. Oh, it was good, son, but remember, most everything can be improved. You don't want to forget that when you're playing with the Baltimore Orioles. When I'm what? I'm Jack Dunn. Jack Dunn? I manage the Orioles. Why, I know, but you want me to play for you? And get paid for it. $600 a year. That sound all right? Six hundred dollars. What's the matter? Don't you like it? Oh, sure, sure you bet. But I was just thinking. Uh, what about? Well, about whether I can make good as a professional. Hmm, I think so, son. But it's entirely up to you. Just about finished packing, George? Oh, just a couple more things, Brother Messiah. You excited? I feel kind of funny in my stomach. Guess I'm afraid. Of what? But you won't make good? Maybe. But most of all, I hate leaving here. I know, George. But about making good, you can't miss if you always remember one thing. What's that? Come here at the window. What do you see out there? Just the kids? Why? Well, those kids will see that you made good. They will. I don't understand. They idolize you, George. Because you stand for everything they think is good. <laughs> Swell, as they put it. And someday they'll look up to you as a hero. <laughs> so, George, you have to make good. Babe went to the Orioles, and he made good all right. His salary was tripled after the first few months. Then he was sold to the major leagues, Boston Red Sox. In 1915, Ruth hit his first home run at Fenway Park against the Yankees. He was a pitcher then, too, don't forget. And in 1918, the Red Sox won another World Series, and Babe Ruth topped the great Christy Mathewson's record by pitching 29 consecutive scoreless innings of World Series play. How do you like that? And then, then in 1919, in the office of Pop Barrow, the manager of the Red Sox... Babe, uh, I've got something to talk over with you. All right, Pop, what about? I think your pitching days might be over. Say that again, Pop. <laughs> Get that silly look off your face. There's nothing wrong. But you just said... How'd you like to play every day instead of once or twice a week? Pitch every day? Nope. In right field. Hmm? The outfield? But, Pop, look at my pitching record. Hey, right now, I'm looking at your batting average. I could use that big bat in the lineup every day. Well, I kind of like 
pitching pot. I know. But it's up to you, babe. One way, you take your regular turn on the mound, and the other, you're in every day. Hmm. What do you say, Pop? I told you. I could use that big bat. And that's it. You're the boss. Swell. Besides, the kids will be seeing more of you if you play every day. You know, you become sort of an idol to them around here. That's nice to hear. And that right field spot is a great place for the kids. Yeah, that's right. There's lots of them out there. <laughs> I think there'll be more now. And Pop Barrow was right. The babe's bat began to pound the horse hide. That big swing and then the crack as the ball sailed out. Oh, it was music. And what music? It wasn't long before babe's pitching record was put in the shade by his hitting. Outfielders kept backing up. Pitchers got a little nervous when the big boy came to the plate. And you know, the babe set a record that everyone swore would stand up. Twenty-nine homers in one season. Gosh. Well, there wasn't a team in the circuit that wouldn't have given anything to have the babe in the lineup. And then... One day, again in Barrow's office. But, Pop, I don't get it. You letting me go. I don't want to, babe, but you've been sold. But I don't want to leave. I like the Sox, and I like being with you. You think I like losing you? But it still goes. You've been sold for 125000 <whistles> Who paid that much? The Yankees. But I... The Yankees? But, Pop, they've never won a flag. I know. But Jake Rupert's buying players to win one, and you're... Selling me to a team that never won a pennant. Now, listen, babe. It's not the team, it's the game. You'll be playing under a great little manager, Miller Huggins. I think this is your big chance. Well, if that's the way it is, I guess there's no changing it. Your salary will be 20000 That's twice what it is now. But I still hate to leave. <laughs> What's so funny, Pop? <laughs> uh, nothing's funny. I'm just thinking... If you think there were a lot of kids in Boston, wait till you get to New York. And there's uh, something else. Don't let them down, babe. Even though you're good enough to be worth 125000 Pop, if I ever let the kids down, I wouldn't be worth a nickel. Not even to myself. Listening to Big Boy, starring Brian Dunleavy as Babe Ruth on the Cavalcade of America, sponsored by the DuPont Company, maker of better things for better living through chemistry. For $125,000, Babe Ruth starts his first season with the New York Yankees in 1920. Now, our story continues as the old-timer in the stands tells a 13-year-old boy the story of the great Bambino. You remember that record the Babe hung up with the Red Sox, 29 homers in one season? Yeah. <laughs> well, son, the first season with the Yanks, the Babe clouded 54 homers. Gee. Oh, that was nothing. In 1921, his second season... Fifty-nine balls sailed out of the park, Ruth starting them on their way. And by 1923, when the Yankee Stadium was built, people were calling it the house that Ruth built. <laughs> 
And uh, it was just after a game there when Ruth left the locker room. Well, so long, you guys. See you tomorrow. Hello, George. Brother Matthias. How are you, George? Oh, it's good to see you. How are you? Just fine. You, you didn't come all the way to New York just to see me, did you? Well, yes, but mainly to find out something. Huh? What? Let's go outside. Oh, sure. Right down the corridor here. My car's at the side. Maybe we'll go for a little ride and talk. Yeah, huh? I'd like that. You uh, said you came to find out something. What? Well, Brother Gilbert and I have watched your career. The career of the greatest player in the game. <laughs> of course, we may be prejudiced. <laughs> that could be. But what did you come to find out? Whether you made good or not. Made good? But you just said... That you were a great ball player? Yes. But there's something else. Oh, here, we go out this way. Hey, there he is. Hey, there he is. Hi, babe. Hey, hey babe, babe, sign this for me, will you, babe? Come on, please. Yeah, come, come on, babe. On. Oh, wait a minute. Hey, wait a minute, hey, wait a minute fellas. Hey, what? Who was here first? I mean, I Wait a minute. Will you take it easy? Hey, 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 listen. I've got a very important friend with me today, and I haven't seen him for a long time. Uh, uh, I tell you what. Suppose you all come back tomorrow, and I... Waiting all day, babe. Oh, all right, all right. I tell you what. Hey, Sammy, get a flock of balls, good ones, and give them to the kids, will you? Is that all right, fellas? Oh, oh, yes, 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 yes. Okay, swell. I'll see you tomorrow. They're yes, <laughs> standing there every day. I get a big kick out of them. Yes, uh, I see that. Now, uh, what were you saying about wanting to find out something? I just did, George. I just found out that you have made good. The most important way. With the kids. That was the real Babe Ruth. Standing out in right field, joking with the kids in the stands, hitting home runs for them, never forgetting them. Must have felt awful good to be that famous. I guess so. And you know, the babe set a record for home runs, 60 of them in one season. Gosh. But I don't think that the 60th homer meant as much to him as just one other. It was the whole 60 rolled up into one. How was that? Well, um, I'll tell you this way. It was one day that the babe and a man named Sylvester walked into a hospital. You see, Mr. Ruth, my son's seriously ill. The doctor says medicine's done all it can for Johnny. And now he needs a boost to his morale. He's got to have something to hang on to, to look forward to. I see, but what about me? Where do I come in? Well, you're his hero. And maybe seeing you will help him. Ever since he was old enough to understand baseball, it's been Babe Ruth. And the one thing he wanted most in the world was to see you knock a home run. Well, I'm glad you came to me. His, his room's right here. You go on in. I'll wait outside. Okay, Mr. Sylvester. Sorry, sir, but uh, Johnny's not allowed visitors. It's all right, nurse. I've got permission. Hiya, Johnny. Huh? I... Why, you... I, I know you. Babe Ruth. Gee. You sick, Mr. Ruth? No. No, I came to see you. And uh, how about call me Babe? I'll call you Johnny. To see me? Sure. Brought you something. Look. A baseball. Yep. 
American League Baseball and a bat. Like yours? Well, it's something like it, but maybe a little lighter than mine. Here's a glove, too. Now, you're all set up. Just as soon as you get better, you'll be able to go out using them. Gee. Gee. You, uh, you're gonna get better, huh? I'll try hard, Mr. Ruth. You bet. I'll try as hard to get better as you do to get a homer. Then that'll do it. Is it hard to hit a homer, babe? No, it's as easy as falling off a log. Almost as easy as it is for you to get better. That easy? I'm pretty sick, I guess. Look, I'll tell you what, Johnny. If I hit a homer for you this afternoon, just to show you how easy it is, will you try just as hard to get better? I, I sure will. Okay, it's a deal. Now, you just listen on your radio. Would you... Would you mind autographing this baseball for me, please? Why, sure. Here. Two, Johnny, I'll knock a homer for you. Babe Ruth. Thanks. Gee, thanks a lot, babe. It's okay, kid. Now remember, you and I got a bargain. Is it good for Johnny to have that radio on, Doctor? Yes, leave it on. He's shown more interest than he has in days. Uh, how's it going, Johnny? Gee, Doctor. Babe's coming up again. And coming from the Yank dugout is the big boy, the babe. He's been up twice today, struck out twice. If he's going to hit, it'll have to be this time. His last at bat for the day. Now he's walking to the plate, and Miller Huggins walks over to talk to him. Babe looks mighty serious today. Hey, hey, babe. Now, wait a minute. I, I want to talk to you, babe. Yeah, what is it? Look, what's the matter with you today? You're, you're pressing too hard. Yeah, I know. Uh, so what if you don't cloud one out? The game's in the bag. Not for me, Hug. i got to hit a home today. Take it easy. Tomorrow's another day. Tomorrow will be too late. Well, well, the big boy. Back again, babe. Uh-huh. <laughs> Indian sign's on you today, big fella. Why don't you sit down and save the trouble of coming up to the plate? You stick to catch and keep your eyes on that apple. <laughs> All right, Ed. Let him have it. The big boy's got dust in his eyes today. <laughs> Only two more to go, babe. All right, Ed. The big one now. Can't argue about that one, babe. Zip right down the middle. <laughs> no answer? The next pitch, Johnny. The next pitch. Oh, we got the big boy talking to himself. Here he comes again, babe. Watch it. Yeah, yeah, I am, huh? I don't get it. I've seen you knock out three in one game, break your own record, and help us win pennants. Now you happen to knock out one in the game in the bag, and you look like the cat that got the canary. You don't get it, Hug. That was the most important home run I ever hit. Well, son, Johnny got better, all right. Yeah. <laughs> 
the Bambino himself. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. Sitting in the stands today, ladies and gentlemen, is one of the greatest of them all. The one and only Sultan of Swat, the Bambino himself, Babe Ruth. <laughs> What, son? I got a baseball here. Why don't the babe sign it for me? Why not ask him? Well, I don't know. Maybe he'd think it was fresh or something. No, not the babe. Go on, son. Go on down and ask him. I, I will. Excuse me, sir. Excuse me. Excuse me, sir. Mr. Ruth. Oh. <laughs> Hiya, kid. Miss Ruth, I wonder if you'd autograph this for me. Sure thing. Come on in here. That's the idea. Now, let's see that ball. Hey, that's pretty scuffed. We can do better than that. Hey, Mike. Yeah. Mike, toss the ball up here, will you? A good one? Sure thing, babe. Here you come. That's better. I'll sign it later, kid. You all alone? Yes, sir. Okay, stay here and watch the game with me. Gee! Hear that, kid? The greatest sound in the world. Nothing like it. Just nothing like it. And the babe goes on never to be forgotten. A colorful reality to those who saw him play. A living legend of inspiration to those who didn't. And as another World Series opens tomorrow, there are those who will sit in the stands and remember the crack of his bat, the babe trotting around the bases, that big grin on his face, Mr. Baseball himself. star, Brian Donlevy, will return in just a moment. First, here is Gain Whitman speaking for DuPont. Most of us remember from our school days, rats. They fought the dogs and killed the cats and bit the babies in the cradles and ate the cheeses out of the vats and licked the soup from the cook's own ladles. Robert Browning's poem about the Pied Piper cloaked a grim fact. Many a town in Europe did lose its children and its adults, too to diseases carried by rats, typhus and plague. Just one rat in your house is a health menace. In addition, rats cause an estimated $200 million worth of damage each year in the United States. They gnaw through walls, ruin plumbing, undermine foundations, and destroy electric wiring. Some of those fires you read about, caused by defective wiring, are really caused by rats. On our farms, rats are even worse. The average farm has between 50 and 100 rats. They spread disease, not only to human beings, but to poultry and livestock. They kill baby chicks and full-grown hens. They eat and contaminate grain and other feed. An expensive loss these days when livestock feeds cost more than ever before. A farmer can get rid of them and save both money and food. Food the world badly needs. Science 
now offers you new rat poisons containing DuPont N2, a product of chemical research. You can buy many trademarked poisons in which N2 is the killing agent. Any form can be safely and conveniently used by following directions, but you must remember that it is a poison and should be used as such. It comes in three forms, ready to use bait, powder, and paste. If you'd like to know more about N2, write to the DuPont Company, Wilmington, 98, Delaware. N2 is one of the DuPont Company's better things for better living through chemistry. Now, our star, Brian Donlevy. Thank you. Cavalcade would like to take this opportunity to announce that the Babe Ruth Foundation Incorporated, a long-cherished dream of Babe Ruth to help American youth, has been recently formed. Yesterday, Old Stars Day at the Yankee Stadium, the New York Yankees and the Philadelphia Athletics turned over their portion of the day's gate receipts to this worthy charity. The Babe Ruth Foundation Incorporated. Pledge to the best interest of as the babe puts it, the kids of America. If you were a lawyer and a boy was accused of stealing your car, would you defend him in court? A man named James West did. He did so for two reasons, two dramatic and exciting reasons. You'll hear those reasons next Monday night when we bring you Henry Fonda starring in Of Such is the Kingdom on the DuPont Cavalcade of America. The music for the DuPont Cavalcade is composed and conducted by Robert Armbruster. Our cavalcade play was written by Bryce Disk, Jr. Brian Donlevy may currently be seen in the United Artists' picture, Heaven Only Knows. The motion picture, The Babe Ruth Story, will be produced and directed by Roy Del Ruth and will be released by Allied Artist Productions from the autobiography of Babe Ruth with Bob Considine to be published by E.P. Dutton & Company, Incorporated. This is Frank Bingman inviting you to listen next week to Of Such is the Kingdom, starring Henry Fonda on The Cavalcade of America, brought to you by the DuPont Company of Wilmington, Delaware. The DuPont Cavalcade of America came to you from Hollywood. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. All right, Walden, step up to the microphone and do your thing. That was Cavalcade of America. I'm Wong Hughes, and may the good Lord Jesus Christ bless you. And this is Yesterday, USA. If you would like to get in contact with Walden, his email is 
Walden1 at yesterdayusa.com. His studio telephone number is 714-545-2071. And his home address is 2527 Duke Place, Costa Mesa, California, 92626. I am Kim Bragg, and thanks for the memories, Walden. Cheerio, toodaloo. Thank you so much. having a good time here on the radio. Bill Bragg, the man with a million friends, saying thank you to every last one of you who prayed for me during my illness uh, and um, who accepted uh, the replacement people that were filling in for me while I was uh, performing at the great State Fair of Texas. God bless you. I love every one of you. And um, this tape number seven, or the, or the last part of it anyway, for the two-week period that began on November the 5th. And my goodness, if you'll do the arithmetic, subtract um, subtract 5 from 25. That's how many days we have left. No more than that, probably fewer by the time you're listening. You see, um, November 25th, the last Sunday night of November, that's when we'll do the Yesterday USA auction. This is about 10 or 12 years we've been doing this. We only do it one one day a year. One day a year we interrupt normal programming. The rest of the time, 365 or 300 and, uh, or 364 or 365 of his leap year. Those are the number of days that we present old-time radio shows for you, uninterrupted, free of charge. Is that amazing or what? 364 days a year, free of charge, uninterrupted, 24 hours a day. Old-time radio shows. What happened to that one day? Well, we interrupt the last part of it for the Yesterday USA auction. Starts around uh, around uh, 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. We'll let you know as the time gets closer. Be sure and listen to our nightly live broadcast, 10.30 p.m. until midnight. We do a live broadcast seven nights a week. You can find the latest information there. You can come to our website, www.yesterdayusa.com. Enter the website by clicking anywhere in the upper left-hand corner. And then on the left-hand side, click under Auction. You'll find that under How to Help Us. You can look at the items from last year. We'll have this year's items as quickly as possible. Kim uh, is working night and day on that. We'll get it up as soon as possible. And uh, then you can uh, bid right here on the radio. It tells you all about it there on the website. So go and check it out. So... Uh, uh, you need to send something in. I'll tell you how to do that, uh, a real quick, easy way to do it. But let me um, acknowledge those who have already sent something in. Nice and generous folks like Don Aston, Robert Albin, Leonard Allenberg, Terry Salmonson, Bruce Forsberg, Mike Andy, John Redmond, Milt Larson, Dick Dyer, Bob Lyons, Frank Brzee, Neil Ellis, Patricia in our chat room, Ron Chisholm, 
Ari Sharpner, uh, Michael uh, Lavin, Gene Irwin, Pat and Dennis Crow, and Bob Mercer. Those are the ones that we know about as of the recording of this particular tape. Um, got some big items, too. A Red Rider BB gun, autographed by the voice of Little Beaver, Frank Brzee. There may be some more of those, too, coming in. I'll let you know. There's also a 16-inch transcription from the Archie Show, autographed by the original crew, the original cast. So check that out. And uh, I also want to acknowledge some people who have sent in cash contributions. People like uh, Tony Fournier, John Kopp, uh, Jim and Mildred, uh, $50 to help us keep on keeping on. Michael King, and there's another one from John Kopp. Misty Walker, Karen in New York, and uh, Dennis out in Sunnyvale, California, $120. Thank you very much. Now, how can you help us? How can you help us with this auction? Time's a-wasting. You don't know what to send in. You don't know where to go or what to do. I've got a quick answer. I've got a s solution to this problem, and you don't even have to get up out of your chair. Just reach over there and get that catalog, the one you've been looking through. You got the pages turned down. You got the items circled. The things you wanted. Just haven't had a chance to call the toll-free number and order them up. Well, call that number now. When the operator says, how many, say two. And when she says, where do I send them? Say, send one to me and send the other one to Yesterday USA. 2001, that's 2001. 2001, Plymouth Rock Drive, P-L-Y-M-O-U-T-H-R-O-C-K. 2001, Plymouth Rock Drive, Richardson, Texas. The zip code is 750-81-USA. That's 750-81-USA. When you hang the phone up, oh, you're going to feel so good. It's all done. You uh, use that. Be sure and use that credit card, the one you get the mileage on. So you'll have mileage on your credit card. You'll have something nice coming your way immediately. You'll have that good feeling of knowing that you helped us out. And then all that's left is for you to tune in the last Sunday night of November, it's Thanksgiving weekend, November 25th. Tune in, buy at least one item back. Use your credit card. Earn some more mileage. We're depending on you now. Don't you dare let us down. Visit the website, yesterdayusa.com, for more details. Thank you. 